The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hello and welcome to the Big Technology Podcast. Today we are doing an emergency edition, our first emergency edition, and the moment really does call for it because the Department of Justice just just dropped their um, their complaint against Google, and it's about to get really interesting in the antitrust world when it comes to big tech. We couldn't wait. It's time to do it right away, talk about this immediately. And joining us to do it is someone who's been watching it for a long time and maybe even driving the movement behind it. It's Luther Lowe, the SVP of Public Policy at Yelp. Luther, welcome to the Big Technology Podcast. Alex, thanks for having me join for this emergency podcast. I know it's definitely an emergency day. It's not every moment that you have the DOJ drop something like this. So can you tell us a little bit about what happened today and where you expect it to go? Sure. I mean, I think it's important to take a step back and just uh, kind of take a deep breath and acknowledge what a seismic event this is. I mean, you've got, uh, it really uh, harkens uh, the last major antitrust investigation against a uh, consumer technology company, Microsoft, uh, over 20 years ago. And really, that was like the biggest story, tech story in the last, you know, 20 plus years. It is, in, in many ways, there are a lot of echoes of that in the complaint. Um, you know, US first Microsoft started uh, relatively narrow, but it pointed to, uh, in the theories of harm, uh, broad issues and broad areas of concern. And uh, if you read the complaint that the DOJ dropped this morning, uh, you see that throughout. And then the other thing uh, that's going on is the state attorneys general have their own parallel investigations and uh, they are bipartisan, they're multi-state groups. And so there's like these clusters of states, uh, a handful of them, all Republicans signed on to the DOJ this morning. And then you've Mm -hmm. got the uh, multi-state investigations uh, that uh, Texas is leading into ad tech uh, and Google in the multi-state investigation led by like New York, Colorado, Nebraska, Iowa, that is looking at deeper questions on search. So really it's, it is a, yeah. it's like three vectors of attack here that could ultimately get consolidated into an omnibus case. But what specifically did the DOJ uh, come after Google on today? The case, the the theory of monopolization is oriented around defaults. And so if you think about, you know, whenever you buy a new iPhone or an Android device, uh, Google is uh, very aggressive about ensuring that it's really hard to use services like Bing. So, you know, their line that they like to throw around is competitions only click away, but they really don't take any chances. Sorry, that's my one-year-old screaming in the background. That, <laughs> that's okay. This um, is an emergency show, so we need all children on board. <laughs> the um, <laughs> the uh, I'm not sure if you want her on board, but it, well, so we've got a, uh, you know, it, for example, uh, it's been reported that over the last 12 months, Google spent $13 billion uh, with Apple to ensure that when I, you know, buy an iPhone from Verizon or the Apple store and boot it up that um, 
if I do some kind of search, if, if Siri can't easily answer that question, like if you know two plus two, Siri might be able to give me a four. But otherwise, most of that stuff getting kicked over to Google, and um, you know that's a, a privileged position. If I want to change the defaults, it's actually quite cumbersome. I think the a team over at DuckDuckGo has said it's actually like fifteen or seventeen clicks, and so there's these very high cognitive costs to switching, and. Uh, you know, in some ways, I think it's like a really, really difficult problem to overcome because I think, you know, the remedies that one could imagine are, uh, you know, like ballot screens or uh, putting consumer choices. And it's not clear to me that that's going to uh, produce a lot of competition in the market, though. I think we've got to see sort of uh, what additional evidence is going to be presented and, and, remedies that will be suggested. But, you know, Chrome, uh, Android, uh, the iOS deal, these are three important ways that Google uh, protects its defaults uh, sort of across all the different ways that one can access the internet. Right. And so Chrome being, uh, you know, that they, if you search on the Chrome address bar, it goes to Google, Android, obviously Google owned search engine, Google owned mobile operating system. There's a, you know, the browser does default Google search and then they're working to, as you mentioned, get their search, you know, available to, you know, on, on iOS devices. I guess like, you know, the one question I would have in this is, you know, Google did start as a website, right? And, They've only been able to persist because they've been so good at seeing what was coming next uh, and finding a way to build for it, uh, which is not typical for a big technology company or a big company at all to be that nimble. I mean, they go from uh, website, you know, in, in Microsoft's browser to toolbar on Microsoft's browser, then realize the threat from Microsoft and they sort of had to build Chrome to survive. And then, of course, we go from desktop to mobile and Android is a something that makes sense. And they're now working on the Google Assistant. Um, you know, they're supposed to uh, be the search engine for voice competing against Alexa. So I guess what I'd like to know is where's the crime here? Because, you know, they're doing what any prudent business would do in terms of trying to help their business survive. So, you know, I know that, um, you know, there's some issue with the fact that they have, you know, this control, but what should they have done differently? And how is this wronging people? So I think, the history there is is actually important because if you look at what happened uh, six months after U.S. versus Microsoft was uh, was filed, um, you know Microsoft at, up to that point had successfully parlayed its dominance in OS into browsers. It killed Netscape. It was at ninety percent market share and with Internet Explorer by nineteen ninety eight. And I think, but for the DOJ and many antitrust historians on both sides of the argument agree that but for U.S. versus Microsoft in 1998, uh, in spring of 1998, you wouldn't have uh, Google born in a garage six months later. Because you can very easily imagine an alternate universe where uh, you know, Microsoft just runs the same playbook it had been running throughout the 90s, where it recognizes eventually, gosh, this Google site is bubbling up and getting some good traction. Let's throw 50 million bucks worth of research at this page rank paper that Larry and Sergey have written. Mm. Let's clone clone this and bake it into our Internet Explorer. And so, uh, and of course, you know, Microsoft uh, had the, the kind of the hammer brought down both in the US, but also in Europe. And ironically, Google 
uh, was one of the chief complainants about that. And Eric Schmidt, prior to Google at Sun Novell Microsystems, was one of the key agitators uh, to uh, bring U.S. first Microsoft. So he actually learned how to, you know, he, he got a front row view of what can bring a technology giant to its knees. And he applied those lessons uh, as soon as he was hired at Google. Uh, and he went out and hired uh, Hal Varian, who is like the top, uh, mm-hmm. you know, technology industrial organization economist. Those guys are like the wizards of the, the courtrooms in antitrust law. He hired Hal Varian in 2002, maybe late 2001, like six months after he was brought on as CEO. So he knew Google was going to be a monopoly. If you read early stories of like Google employees, there's like a moment. Uh, I've read this in like multiple biographies of, of Google uh, employees and, you know, their kiss and tells. Mm-hmm. There's like a moment where they're, they see the graph, like the hockey stick graph, and they're, everybody realizes, oh, shit, this is going to be a really big company. And so the name of the game, and we actually saw some great coverage at the New York Times last week about this, is like, we've got to do all we can to uh, forestall the day that we face the A word. In fact, let's not even talk about it. <laughs> antitrust. A- antitrust. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, and so I would actually argue that Google, you know, I, I agree with sort of Steve Ballmer's thesis that Google was, a, is in many ways a one trick pony. I mean, PageRank undeniably is a differentiated, was a different, differentiated technology that was leaps and bounds ahead of like the Alta Vistas and Yahoo's of the time. And they essentially took a page rank like quality score and attached it to an ad auction algorithm to monetize the site after it had leapfrogged all these sites. And then it was basically a money printing machine. And then they went around and sort of scanned the landscape and said, okay, uh, let's enter the maps vertical. Let's enter the video vertical. And they bought all the stuff for uh, Google Maps. They bought all the stuff for uh, YouTube. They bought all, <laughs> they bought uh, Android. Like none of this stuff has been built in house. It's just, how can well, we Chrome, attach these? Chrome was built in house. The assistant is being no, built in house, but Chrome, they definitely Chrome had an built, aggressive. Chrome was Chrome was built by uh, Firefox engineers that they uh, that they post uh, uh. using the entire Firefo- Firefox tech stack. And Firefox, by the way, is another example of how they expend default. Firefox is effectively a mm. subsidiary of of Google because all their money comes from uh, Google being the default. Yeah. So it, it, anyway, what I'm saying though is that. That I, I would I would actually argue they haven't been uh, uh, that innovative of a company. They've been a clever company in terms of mm-hmm. avoiding antitrust scrutiny and in terms of using the, the uh, money mach- printing machine that they have from search ads, ads. to extend yeah. into all these adjacent markets. Okay, but what is the so? Can you give us some specifics of what the Department of Justice is saying is the harm here? Like where where is the place where Google is now getting into trouble for? You know, we know that that. They've they've done all this stuff, which is all you know. What you're talking about spreading, you know, across all these products is is legal. It's it is doing business. So where have they sort of crossed the line, and where is the Department of Justice seizing onto right now? Sure. Well, I mean, I think they articulate a lot of examples of harms in the form of increased prices for uh, advertisers. Uh, they also note uh, there's echoes of the U.S. Uh, House Antitrust subcommittee report, which was all Democrats. And that's the important thing to understand. This thing is really a bipartisan thing. I was just retweeting Elizabeth Warren praising uh, the DOJ while dunking yeah, on that doesn't uh, happen Bill every Barr. Day. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. um, uh, 
Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at Section 170. Google's monopoly in general search has given the company extraordinary power as gateway to the Internet, which it uses to promote its own web content and increase its profits. It mm. prided itself as being the turnstile to the Internet, sending users off its results pages through organic links designed to connect the user with third-party websites that would best answer a query. Over time, however, Google has pushed the organic links further and further down the page and featured more search advertising results than Google's own vertical and specialized search offering. This, in turn, has demoted organic links of third-party verticals, pushing these links uh, below the fold on the portion of the search engine result page that is visible only if the user scrolls down and requiring them to buy more search ads from Google to remain relevant. This raises mm-hmm. their costs, reduces their competitiveness, and limits their incentive and ability to invest in innovations that could be attractive to users. Not surprisingly, investors also report being unwilling to, to provide funding to vertical startups with business models similar to or potentially competitive with Google's search advertising monopoly. So there you go. I mean, like right. this this uh, articulates this is one of you know hundreds of, of bullets here talking about the the raising of rivals' costs, which is a uh, is a uh, major uh, way that there is a, a clear way that kind of antitrust practitioners articulate uh, harms in, uh, you know, of monopolization. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. uh, We'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so, we had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. Yeah, this is the interesting thing about the Google story. To me, is they began as a company to sort of tell you, you know, help you navigate the internet, right? They sorted the internet for you. And then I think through all these different products, uh, acquisitions, and and I think, okay, they I think they built, but... Um, we'll leave that for another day. Um, you know, th- through the products they've, they've developed, uh, they've become the internet in many ways. And now they're charging businesses, uh, you know, a fee in order to play on the internet. That's well, not this, good. No, I, I don't think that is for another day. I mean, I think that's at the heart of the issue here is that this yeah. is what, it, and it makes it so heartbreaking because mm-hmm. I, I used to love Google. I mean, I, right. I was. I, I mean, I, I remember mm-hmm. running out and buying the first G1 phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember using Google for the first time in in 2000. And it, it is hard to decouple the rise of Google from the rise of what 
uh, Tim O'Reilly popularized this term Web 2.0. Yeah. And it really, it was like a thousand flowers bloom. And the, mm-hmm. the, the bargain was for webmasters, you come here uh, or you architect your site in this particular way and you focus on cultivating interesting content, you'll be rewarded with an audience. To consumers, you use us, you're never going to use AltaVista or Yahoo again. And what happened was like roughly the first decade of Google, as the DOJ says, it was a turnstile. And then eventually uh, it started dialing the knobs uh, such that it became this portal. And now, as we know from data that the uh, House Antitrust Subcommittee shared a couple weeks ago, the majority of traffic going to Google today either terminates on Google or goes to Google secondary pages. Mm-hmm. And so it, what's heartbreaking is, is that Google really betrayed the web. And they, in, in some ways here, are kind of like uh, are a... Um, they're killing the golden goose. They are. Uh, this is this is a um, reckoning of their own making, and, and it's uh, it, it's. I'm glad it's happening because I think mm-hmm. that we need more uh, oxygenation of the internet markets. I don't. I believe in the web. I believe that the World Wide Web is can still be restored to a strong state, but. Um, you know, it, it is unfortunate that Google has been uh, was so instrumental in growing the web, and then basically, once they reached a, a point of just unassailable dominance, began uh, using that dominance to then sort of steer unwitting users into lower quality services. Yeah, and when I say leave it for the other day, the thing I was mentioning was the was Chrome built or bought. But um, I agree with you that the central point of this is. That what we've been discussing is, you know, has uh, is Google suffocating the web by pointing people to its own services? You're coming from uh, an interesting standpoint, Luther. I feel like you've sort of led the effort here and and maybe single handedly helped push this more than any one uh, human being. As you know, from your position at Yelp, is this an issue that um, you know that 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 basically Yelp identified years ago as realizing that um, Google was, you know, Yelp was open web and Google was gonna uh, essentially suffocate the business through things like Google Maps and their reviews there. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I think I'm, I'm a mere sort of actor in this. I think, you know, the, the real credit goes to the, the prescient callouts of, you know, that you know, our CEO, Jeremy, and co-founder Jeremy Stoppelman, you know, very early on uh, was uh, suspicious of Google's motives, and as early as like uh, 2007 was accusing them of acting in anti-competitive ways. And so this has been going on for over a decade. And I I mean, I think that uh, there are a lot of companies that you're starting to see come out of the woodwork. In fact, I think much of the energy and and though we are sort of the canaries in the coal mine and, and really active on these issues when it wasn't cool, you're now starting to see so many other companies uh, sensing that the zeitgeist around big tech antitrust has changed and they're coming off the sidelines and they're, they're filing their own uh, private antitrust suits. They're uh, becoming public witnesses in these hearings. So we really have turned uh, a page here. I mean, if this would have happened seven or eight years ago, in fact, we can use another example, uh, 2015, when Europe announced it was starting to do stuff uh, with Google I mean, you had letters from members of Congress. You had like randomly a, a letter from the governor of California, then Jerry Brown, wagging their finger at EU saying, why are you messing with this great company? And now it's 
literally the only people uh, putting their necks out for Google today are people uh, on the payroll like CCIA or PPI, these mm-hmm. think tanks that basically get all their money from Google uh, or the op-ed uh, writers yeah. that you've reported, you've reported mm-hmm. on. Uh, and which are uh, small businesses that say, you know, harming Google would harm me. And then you look at how that op-ed came to be. And it's some Google funded organization that found them and ha- helped bring that I to light. a great example yeah. of this the other day that I need to send you offline. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just absolute, uh, just mind boggling example of a op-ed writer that appears to be uh, on the payroll anyway. So it's, it's like, there's really nobody, the emperor has no clothes. I mean, there's nobody defending these guys anymore. And I think, um, that that probably helps with sort of setting the political temperature necessary to do a big case like this. Right. But the defense would be, and and let me just make it, we can talk about it for a moment, uh, is that, okay, well, Google, I kind of like Google. Like I like Google services. I generally find what I want when I search the internet. Maps is pretty great. Gmail is nice. Uh, I, you know, I write and drive and use sheets for invoices and, you know, doing Excel like calculations and it's free. So, um, you know, I guess like there's an argument that a consumer can make that says, you know, this is a thing that's been talked about, uh, you know, in Washington and by companies. But if I think about my everyday experience, it's actually pretty good. And why are you going to mess with that? Well, I don't I mean, based on this complaint, it doesn't for what it's worth. I don't think uh, Drive and, and Gmail are, are on the chopping block. And, and, you know, I do agree that Google offers some uh, good results. The problem is, is they blend the results that we have been habi- habituated to expect are the best. They blend those results with lower quality results that are from their own house properties. I mean, that's a problem. It's not the problem. It is one major problem. Uh, and so uh, I think that this is a common thread you see where Google uh, sort of finds some kind of pro-consumer pretense to behave in an anti-competitive manner. And I think if nothing else, this case is going to send some shockwaves through Mountain View and signal that, you know, just just bulldozing into adjacent markets is not cool anymore. I mean, it's interesting, you know, a lot of people are talking about how uh, Google aggressively is pushing their Zoom competitor in Google Calendar. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I wonder I wonder if they would do that uh, if like if U.S. versus Google had been filed like nine nine months ago, if that would have if that tactic, they would have even uh, played with that. Because it, th- at yeah. that point, you're sitting there telling the judge you're not doing all this aggressive behavior that the government's claiming you're doing. And, you know, if, if you're reading contemporary news reports of that, I could see how that would make a judge, a judge annoyed. So I hope yeah. that this has a chilling effect on some of their ongoing aggressive behavior. I'm going to stand up for Google Meet. I think it's better than Zoom, but that's just me. Oh, do you, you have to run or we have another couple minutes? Uh, we, we can do four more minutes. Okay, so so Bill Barr, uh, obviously he's a he's a political actor. Uh, there has been some worry that this will be something that's going to, you know, regulate Google from you know a political standpoint versus like what's the right thing to do on antitrust. Do you have any of any worry on that front? No, I mean, listen, it's this the people that we interacted with the DOJ are upstanding, nonpartisan career staff. I I bet you. A lot of them personally are in their heart of hearts. Mm-hmm. Demo- they probably vote Democrat. These are career lawyers mm-hmm. that, that work at the DOJ through various administrations. And I think some of the reporting about, uh, you know, 
the this being some kind of political vendetta is, is overblown. I feel like we're in a tense partisan environment. That's maybe expected. But mm-hmm. the truth is, is there is a bipartisan, uh, you know, energy around these issues. You see Congressman Cicilline, Elizabeth Warren praised the DOJ case. Uh, you've got a bipartisan group of state AGs saying, hey, this looks good, and we might even consolidate our case with it. So I don't think it's fair to, I mean, and then, you know, finally, in the case, in the substance of the case itself, nobody, you know, there's not any mention of like conservative bias or any of the stuff that I think maybe there was uh, the most paranoid we're fearing. But um, mm. this is a uh, above board process. And, uh, you know, You'd, we're heartened yeah. to see some form of enforcement here. You don't think it was rushed? I mean, there were some stories saying that career lawyers were upset about how fast it was going out the door and they weren't fully ready. Yeah, I mean, that original meme, uh, it seems like came about from the New York Times reporting on it. And I just disagree with the characterization. I think that uh, tension between the political appointees and the staff is a natural thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You saw that actually, I mean, the decision to enforce is always going to be somewhat political, right? And so, you know, it's a, it's a totally discretionary area of enforcement. I mean, just like the decision to not enforce uh, is political. Look at uh, the FTC investigation of Google that the Obama administration really shut down. And and that today is, you know, it's clearly looking back on that, the decision to close that case uh, has not aged well, because here we are with a case that, uh, you know, identifies all types of uh, uh, evidence and conduct with respect to monopolization. So I, I think that um, once that kind of high level decision of, hey, an enforcement uh, case should be made, follow the facts and law where it leads them, uh, you know, the ball rolls and, and it's not like these antitrust lawyers can, you know, jam in a bunch of conservative bias right. crap without getting <laughs> laughed out of court. I mean, this is a substantive case uh, with bipartisan support. And Okay, and, we, have, we have about uh, a minute left. So I just want to ask you okay. like where, where it goes. What happens next? So again, I would say don't sleep on the state AGs. Uh, they have parallel investigations that could be filed in the next weeks or months uh, on ad tech and other search, uh, other dimensions of search. Um, you know, I, this is the opening salvo. It's a strong one. I think, uh, you know, it's not a good day for Google, but certainly uh, we're in, we got to buckle up because this is going to be a long ride. Sure will. All right, Luther Lowe, thank you for stopping by for this emergency podcast. I'm sure it's a busy day for you, but looking forward to keeping in touch on this issue and and more as we go forward. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate the invitation.